Good morning, church. It is uh, good to be with you this morning. There are three or four of you here that I haven't seen on a Sunday morning in a long time. I'm not going to identify you, but it is particularly good to be among you this day. It is good to be here. And what I'm about to do now is, is really what happens and has happened here and in churches all over the planet on Sunday morning already today and will happen later today, other places. And that is for us, that is for me, to serve you the Word of God. That is really what preaching is, is, is serving, rightly done. Preaching is serving you the Word of God for us to receive it here in the year 2022. So it's not just teaching it and explaining it as it was in the first century, but the Word of God is alive, and it has things to say to us today. So this is my task, and specifically from Romans 15, 22 to 29, to speak to you and your life, and to speak to me and my life about priorities. You see it on the screen behind me. Now, before we get to our particular text today, let me say something about the most important priority in any human's life. The most important priority in your life and my life is our relationship with God. It is, whether you believe or whether you disbelieve or wherever you arrived here this morning spiritually in your heart, the most important thing in your life is your relationship with God. And so in some ways, I want to almost pause here and say that he isn't actually even a priority. Like if we were to make a list of priorities in our lives, which is a good thing to do, I might want to suggest that God isn't even on that list. He owns the list. He owns your life. He owns the universe. He created and sustained the universe. So there is a sense in which God should not be in alignment or in a list of our priorities. But in another way, he is our priority. Those who are skeptical of him, philosophers, they like to speak about him as the maximally great being, MGB. I always kind of laugh at that when I read philosophical works. MGB. No, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're talking about the God who spoke the universe into existence. Whether you believe in him or whether you do not believe in him, your relationship with him is more important than your relationship with food, than your relationship with water, than your relationship with oxygen. I I mean that. That is not an overstatement. In other words, our relationship with food and air and water is pretty important. Can I get an amen? Like, it's really important. Um, We die without that. God is even more important than that. The Bible teaches us that this life is short. It gives us a perspective that we might not have. James 4 Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. 
God gives us this perspective on our lives. Because when we are not thinking biblically, we kind of think of ourselves, I think of myself as the center of the universe, that life revolves around me. But the Bible says, no, this universe is God's universe. And you, Mike, you, fill in your name, are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. John 3.16, perhaps the most famous, most well-known verse in Scripture, one of the most, In the King James, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I put this verse up here to substantiate what I am saying about the importance and priority of our relationship with God. It is more important than food and water and air because our lives last forever. This is what John 3.16 teaches, that we will live forever or we will perish forever. And so our relationship rationally, cognitively, in reality, our relationship with God is even more important than our relationship with what sustains us in this life, what will sustain us in the next life. It is our faith in what God has done for us in Christ. He is our priority. Colossians 1.16 says, All things were created by him and for him. For him. Just a reminder that, that that little phrase, all things, that includes you. That includes me. We were created by him and we were created For him. You live for him. Whether you acknowledge it or not, that is your purpose. Now, trees were actually created by him and for him. But trees are very different than we are, right? They glorify God. They they give us oxygen. They point us to him and his magnificence, particularly these massive and incredible trees that we have here in Northern California. They're pointers to the creator who made them, but they can't love him. They glorify him passively. You and I glorify him actively and love him in unique ways. So trees glorify God, Chimpanzees were created by him, and they glorify him too. But they are really different than we are. Now, they are smart creatures. I was reading an article of all places. You wouldn't think to read about chimpanzees in the Wall Street Journal. But I was reading about chimpanzees in the Wall Street Journal. If you think I need help, you can talk to me after the service um, about this. But this is what I was doing some time ago, and a pretty astonishing article. This uh, new research that is going on in the African rainforest, where they are observing and studying chimpanzees that are essentially using medicine. So when one of them has an open wound, the wiser chimpanzees, they go and and collect certain insects. They kill the insects, get a little gross factor here, They put the insects in their mouth and they kind of make a a medicine. And then they apply that medicine 
to their fellow chimpanzees to bring healing to their wounds. Is that cool? That's cool. What chimpanzees don't do is actively love God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. Chimpanzees do not go to the moon as human beings do. We are fundamentally different than them. And so our priorities are different than their priorities. To just give you a definition of priorities, those things give an attention before competing alternatives. It is a good thing to make a list, literally, whether it's in your mind or what literally on a piece of paper or on your phone, of what your priorities are. But in many ways, what this sermon and what this text that we're about to get into opens up for us is, is putting certain things aside in order to do other things. What are the things that we give attention to? And I'm just emphasizing that the biggest and greatest and most important thing that we give attention to before we get into today's text is God himself. You're familiar with the question the attorney asked Jesus of all the commandments, which is the most important. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is our priority. This is where life flows from. It doesn't flow from an obligation or a religious duty. That is not, the Bible is not a religious book in the way I'm describing it. It's not. It is a book about loving God with all that we have. And so our priorities are to flow out of that love for him. All of that, by way of introduction, let's come to our text now where we're going to see, like day to day, what Paul's priorities were. And my prayer is that we'll be able to take some of the things that were priorities in his life that were recorded by inspiration of the Spirit for us to figure out how to make priorities in our lives, to make God's priorities our priorities in our lives. So let's begin taking a look at verse 22, and then we're going to jump to 29. So Romans 15 and verse 22. Paul says, this is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. From coming to you, he's referring to the Roman churches. They met in homes in the first century, and he's explaining why I have often been hindered from coming to you. He's had a desire to go see them but it actually hasn't been near the top of his list of priorities. And he's explaining why. I, I've been hindered. I've wanted to come, but I haven't. Jump down to verse 29 with me. He says there, I know that when I do come to you, when I do eventually get to Rome, Paul has never been to Rome. He's never been to the churches in Rome. Never been there. But I know that when I come to you, verse 29, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. In other words, whenever I get there, I know it's going to be really good. It's going to be sweet fellowship, good breaking of bread, time with you, God's blessing on us. I am looking forward to that. And Paul has been reminding the Romans of this numerous times throughout the book of Romans, this letter that he wrote to them from Corinth. 
Look with me back at chapter 1 on the screen. He says, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you. So this is interesting, right? I mean, we have what has been described as the greatest letter ever written, the book of Romans. It has been described that way. It is much longer than Paul's other letters. And I think if we study the text carefully, which we have for quite a long time now as a church family, I think one of the reasons this letter is so long is that Paul hasn't been able to get there. And he regrets that. And so he has written them a substantial and lengthy letter and is explaining here as he's trying to, like most preachers, wrap down, wrap, uh, close out his, his letter, close out his sermon, but he kind of keeps going and going and going. And he's, he's beginning to do that here in chapter 15. So he has a priority of wanting to see the Christians in Rome, but he hasn't gotten there yet. So this has implications for our priorities, for Paul's priorities. So this was not high on Paul's list, even though he loves them. So why is that? We're going to visit this and revisit this in just a moment. Matthew Henry writes this. He says, The providence of God wisely overrules the purposes and desires of men. So sometimes we have good intentions of doing certain things, but just the providence of God, there, there is no such thing as luck or randomness or, or stuff that comes about apart from God's sovereignty. So in light of that truth, we call that providence, what the world might call luck or bad luck, we call the providence of God. And it has wisely overruled, in part, Paul's desire to go to Rome. But in another part, Paul has made the decision not to go to Rome. He has higher priorities. Again, Matthew Henry, he says, had Paul consulted his own ease, his own wealth, his own honor, nothing would have hindered him from seeing Rome. In other words, he could have, with the resources he had, gone to this city, the most important city in the world at that time. I mean, it is just logical that he would have been there for a whole variety of reasons. So this stands out. So on one hand, the providence of God hasn't allowed him to go there. On another hand, he has made the decision not to go there. He has the resources to go, but he hasn't gone. There are implications for this for you and your priorities and me and my priorities. Now, to just jump to a later part of the sermon here, we do know that Paul eventually gets to Rome, but it's not in the way that he thought he would get to Rome, right? He ends up in Rome as a, as a prisoner on house arrest, and that's how he ends up coming to Rome. But here I have three questions or three points, if you will, about our priorities. And the first one is, Lord, what is my Rome? What is Mike's Rome? In other words, are there things in my life that I could make a priority? I have the resources and the time and the ability to, to do them, but God has other higher priorities, 
And even though going to Rome is a good thing to visit the churches in Rome, that's why he wants to go there to encourage them. It's not, it doesn't make the cut at this point in Paul's life. So this is the first implication for your life and my life as we set priorities is to ask the question, are there things that I'm making a priority? Are there Rome's that need to be further down the list? One author writes this. He says, a diligent person must learn to strategically neglect lesser priorities. And that is what we have in Paul doing. He has neglected traveling to Rome because he has higher priorities. All of this should have us thinking about what our priorities are. So, of course, the obvious question is, well, what kept him from going to Rome? He mentioned in chapter 1 he wants to go there. He's mentioning it here in 15 numerous times. And and many of you know the answer, what has kept him from going to Rome. Let's come back to our text here and look at verses 23 through 24, and we, we see the answer. But now that there is no more place for me to work in these regions... And since I have been longing for many years to see you, to see you, Roman church, this has been on his list, but it hasn't made the cut, verse 24, I plan to do so when I go to Spain, which Spain was a larger territory in the first century than today, which would include modern-day Portugal as well as modern-day Spain. I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. So, I mean, to paraphrase 23 and 24, Paul is saying, hey, I want to get there. I want to see you, but you're going to be on my layover stop, like on my way to Spain. Spain is his priority. Why is Spain his priority over Rome? Look back up at verse 20 of chapter 15 of Romans. Paul says, It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. Someone, Christians, someone has gone with the gospel to Rome. And there are multiple house churches there. So because of that, Paul has put Rome down his list. He wants to go to places where there are no churches, where there are no Christians, where boys and girls, men and women, grow up and they will never see someone singing to Jesus. They will never see someone praying. They will never see a Christian providing for his neighbor. They will see no Christians. They will hear no gospel. That is Paul's priority. His priority is Spain. So, we should be asking ourselves at this point, Lord, um, who is my Spain? Now, let me just almost pause here for a moment and say, I am not giving you what Mike thinks his priorities should be. I am giving us what God's Word teaches our priorities should be. And God's Word and God's priorities are very often different than my priorities and your priorities. 
the reason I am talking about Spain and why Paul hasn't gone to Rome is because that is what the text of Scripture is talking about today. And all Scripture is useful for your life and my life. So this is the kind of thing that should impact my priorities and your priorities. If I wasn't using the Bible and I was just going to give you ideas about priorities, you could probably come up with those, what those are and, you could, and I could come up with those, what those are, but they are very different than God's priorities. God's priority is for the gospel to go to the nations. So Paul ends up eventually in Rome. Uh, the last couple verses of Acts we read, of his time in Rome there. The very last two verses of the book of Acts. Let's let's look at them together. It says, For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed, so he's a prisoner, but he has to pay for his his own house. Things were a little different in the first century. And welcomed all who came to see him. Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. So he didn't do what he thought he was going to do in Rome because he was in house arrest, but he advanced the kingdom of God from his prison cell, which was a house that he had to pay for in Rome. But the reason that Paul has not been to Rome in the chronology of Romans 15, as we come back to Romans 15, the reason that he hasn't been there yet is because it is not his priority. Spain is his priority. So here's where preaching gets difficult. How would God have us respond to this text in light of our priorities? Now, it's very unlikely, but possible, that you are called to go to a place or a people where no one knows Christ. That's possible. We are about sending people to those places. We being Cornerstone and churches like us. We have people, when you give, I I mentioned this in the email on Friday, as you give money to Cornerstone, some of that money goes to people who have been called to take the gospel to places where there are no churches and no Christians. That is a major priority of God and of Jesus. You remember, we looked at this last week, Jesus' very last words before he ascends to the right hand of the Father is to go and to make disciples of what? Of all the nations. Of everyone. So what I'm really after today is not to make you feel guilty or to say you need to go to the functional equivalent of Spain today, an unreached people group, but for you to realize that as a Christian, The gospel going to unreached places is a very, very high priority. So high that the leading missionary and evangelist and apostle of the world, Paul, hasn't gone to the biggest city, imperial city, because there are already Christians there. That is a big deal. That is in part why the book of Romans is so long and why he is saying over and over again, I've been meaning to come, I want to come, I want to come, but I'm going to come on my way to Spain because Jesus has given us a mission to reach the nations. So what I'm really after here is for you to be thinking about how you might be involved, probably in a support role, to taking the gospel to the nations. So a couple suggestions here, all right? A very con- or one very concrete suggestion. 
Have you heard the expression, there's an app for that? Have you heard that? So there's an app for this. There's an app for what I'm talking about. Now, I'm guessing many of you, especially if you're young, have TikTok on your phone. Many of you, if you're old, have Facebook on your phone. (laughs) Some of you have paper and pencil, if you're really old. (laughs) Some of you have no paper and pencil, and you've just got a great mind. But for those of you that have phones and have Facebook or have TikTok or whatever the latest app is, let me just tell you that the app entitled Unreached of the Day is not a very popular app. There is an app that is specifically designed to help God's people to reach the nations. It is not very popular. If you went through this app, they have a thing where it sends you a little thing each day, it's like five minutes, you would learn about unreached people groups in the world and even in Northern California. So on September 25th, if you had this app on your phone and you allowed it to talk to you or you disallowed it to talk to you and you went to it every day, you would learn to pray for the Northern Pashtun in the United States. And this is what it says there. It says the Pashtun have been called the largest Muslim tribal society in the world. They are found in India, Pakistan, Afghanistan, and now many are living in the United States. There is a large Afghan diaspora in Fremont, California. Anybody heard of Fremont? So this is local, kind of. They are very famous for their restaurants and exotic markets. Other U.S. states where they have settled include Virginia, New York, and some of the northeastern states. Why have they come to the West? Plagued by instability, endemic corruption, and ongoing violence, many tens of thousands of Afghan Pashtuns have migrated in search of jobs and opportunities they no longer have in their original homelands. And then we read about their stats. In the U.S., there are 151,000 of them. And then we have a category, percent Christian. So this would include Roman Catholics, Orthodox, Protestants, everybody. 0.0% of the 151,000 in the U.S. And then there's a category, how many of them are evangelical or Bible-believing? Gospel people, 0.0. Well, what are they? They are Islamic. What is their language? This language I've never heard of, Pashto Northern dialect. Their status is unreached. So, well, let me tell you about one more group, okay? Um, If you use this app, you would learn about the Spanish-speaking Jews in Puerto Rico. Are you kidding me? Yes. Spanish-speaking Jews in Puerto Rico. Anybody been to Puerto Rico? Anybody here? Yeah, a few of you. Puerto Rico. So this is what they would tell you about them. The Yiddish-speaking Jews are not the only Jews in the United States. Indeed, the Sephardim, Ladino-speaking Jews, Ladino-speaking Jews, arrived earlier, but in what was then colonial Spanish New Mexico. Many were conversos, Iberian Jews, who had converted, in quotes, uh, somewhat involuntarily, to Catholicism. Most came from 1880 to 1930 from Spain, Portugal, Bulgaria, Greece, Turkey, North Africa, Latin America, the Levant, Iraq, and Iran. Ladino was their lingua franca. They were unwelcomed, even among American Jews, 
because their Judaism was different. Still, they settled in the same areas and are especially well-known in Puerto Rico. They have developed their own arts. They have their own synagogues, and Ladino is taught in some U.S. colleges. And then we have the stats on them. There are about 1,500 of them in Puerto Rico. Percent Christian, 0.0. Percent Evangelical, Gospel-believing people, 0.0. A variety of ethnic religions is what they believe. Their primary language there is Spanish, and they are unreached. And so there is a prayer there for them in this app. Pray that the church would find ways to develop culturally meaningful ways of reaching them. Pray that Messianic congregations would deliberately seek out Sephardim and love them into the kingdom. Pray for a powerful movement to Christ among the Sephardic Jews this decade. What am I trying to do here? I'm trying to move our hearts and priorities not to make them in alignment with my heart or with what your priorities would be apart from Scripture, but to make your priorities in alignment with the Scripture's priorities. So whether you download this app or not, like I don't want someone to think, okay, out of guilt, I'm going to download this app. I'm going to spend five minutes doing this every day. That's not my heart, and that's not what I'm after here. I don't know whether you should download this app or not, but if you did download this app, what I would be praying for is that one of these people groups you would identify with. And at that point, maybe you put the app aside and you find out who might be reaching the Pashtun in Fremont if that's what God put on your heart. Or who might be reaching these Jewish Spanish-speaking folks in Puerto Rico. And, and, and you begin to pray and to talk and to find and to do research and to connect and, and, and be involved in that. However it is, whether it's through this app, whether it's through paper and pencil, whether it's through people that we know, we have missionaries in Papua New Guinea and in Jordan that you can communicate with or communicate with through us, and they can be telling you, here, here's who we're reaching in these areas where there are no churches and no Christians. This is the heart of Jesus and the heart of God, and this is why Paul hasn't made it to Rome. Lord, who is my Spain? Who is my Spain? These are the priorities of the Apostle Paul. These are the priorities of the Word of God. These are the priorities of our Lord Jesus. What is my Rome? What do I need to maybe make a less priority that's a good thing? What is my, who is my Spain? Who is it that God would want me to have a heart for to come to know him in whatever way that works out? Well, let's come back to our text here. And uh, we're at verses 25, right? Verse 25. And let me finish looking at verses 25 through 8, and we get our third point here. Verse 25. Now, however... I am on my way, now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem. In, I mean, I almost have to laugh at this. Like, Paul is just sentence after sentence explaining why he's not coming to Rome. So I'm going to go to Spain. My way there, I'll see you. But now, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there for Macedonia and Achaia, which would include the churches in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Corinth, and other churches. They were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it. 
and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles, hear that word meaning everyone who is not a Jew, for if non-Jewish Christians have shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. So you see what's going on here? We have the, the church in Jerusalem is primarily Jewish Christians, and they have a famine, and they're, they're literally, some of them, starving. So the non-Jewish Christians, and primarily non-Jewish Christians in Philippi, Thessalonica, and Corinth have taken up offerings, and Paul personally is delivering that offering to Jerusalem. Verse 28, so after I have completed this task and have made sure that they have received this fruit, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. So Paul's priorities that are above Rome are Spain and are Jerusalem. Those who are unreached and those who are poor. Paul assumes that financial aid for needy Christians is a normal part of the Christian life. Again, if I were giving you a talk about priorities, I might talk about 401k. I might talk about how much money you should save. We don't find these kinds of things in the scriptures. Am I saying those things are bad? No. I've done those kinds of things. What I'm trying to say is those things, biblically, if you study the scriptures, are going to be further down the list of priority than the unreached, than the poor. Paul assumes, the scriptures assume, that caring for the poor is a normal part of the Christian life, and it is so normal, and it is so important that I'm, yeah, not, I'm on my way to Jerusalem right now, even though I want to be going to Spain. Again, you and I are not Apostle Paul. We're not traveling the world. I'm not saying you need to leave your home, leave our country, the richest and most powerful country in the history of the world, for a poor country. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that this passage should speak into your life And if you are sensitive to God's word today, you will be thinking about how God would have you, probably incrementally, make caring for the poor in some way, whether it's your next door neighbor, whether it's poor believers, that's the situation here. I mean, I could preach for another half hour about the importance of giving to the poor and the dangers of being rich and wealth. It is all over the New Testament. But I don't think you need me to do that. I think you know that. You know that. So what we need is God's grace to help us make the unreached and the poor a greater priority in our lives. Matthew Henry again writes, When public instances of poverty are presented as objects of our charity, objects of people that we can love, though a great way off from us, So that's what Paul has going on. These are not next-door neighbors. This is really inconvenient for him to go to Jerusalem as he wants to go to Spain. We must extend our bounty as the sun its beams. We want to be a church. We are a church. We're growing. We haven't arrived, but we want to be a church that cares for the poor, whether that's those in our midst, people who have a financial crisis. We have a deacon's fund. You shouldn't put that crisis on a credit card. You should come to us. We, as we give, 
All of us here, as we give, we put some of that money, the leaders do, in a deacon's fund, and then we use that when you or I have a crisis instead of doing what the world does and going into an exorbitant debt on our credit cards. We care for each other. We care for the poor. We care for those who are in crisis. James chapter 2. Look at it with me. We're almost done. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? It is no good. It is no good. And worse than no good, could take another half hour and and go off on a tangent here into the book of James, but those of you who know the book of James, this is not primarily about caring for the poor, James 2. It is about the relationship between faith and works. So James 2, if you go and look at it, it isn't saying, hey, I want you to make this a priority. What it is saying is if your faith doesn't change you to have works, that your faith is a fake faith. It is a worthless faith. I am not saying we all need to to go to Jerusalem, whoever the poorest are. I am saying caring for the poor, for the Christian, is a priority. If it is not a priority, James would say, your faith leads to genuine works for the heart of, following the heart of God, which cares for the poor. This is who we are. This is up high on the list. So, as we finish out here, our priorities, according to Scripture, again, God is our number one priority, more than our lives, more than food and air. But in light of this text of Scripture, this text of Scripture isn't teaching that. I, I imported that from other texts at the beginning of my sermon. What this text is teaching us is there's some things that we might be making priorities, Rome, that we don't need to make priorities, that we might need to put down the list. And then I want to suggest for many of us, maybe most every one of us in here, unreached people and the poor need to work their way in some way up your list and into our hearts. And that only comes by God's grace. Let's bow our heads and ask him, to give us hearts so that our priorities are his priorities. Father in heaven, God, you have given most of us here so much more than we need. We need food and clothing and shelter. And we need a few other things. Most of us need a car. We need a few things, God, to live. But you have given us so much more than that. Like the Apostle Paul, we have tremendous freedoms. Paul had freedom to go to Rome, but he didn't because he had different priorities. He had Spain. He had Jerusalem. Lord, I'm praying now that you would open our eyes and our hearts and by your grace that we would actually respond to your word today. And I don't know how each of us should respond. I don't know who we might need to be praying for or going to or learning about our Spain. I don't know if it's a, an unbelieving neighbor or someone in the church family or a believer in another church who, who you might need to bless with the resources that God has given you. Who is my Jerusalem? God, help us to make your priorities our priorities. In Jesus' name, amen.